Hey everybody, I wanna give you a gift before we dive in. If you're at the beginning of your content marketing journey or if you've been doing it a while but it's not working as well as you want and you feel like something is missing, I wanna give you a roadmap to help you get more ROI out of your content. This is my blog remix method and it's a shortcut to go from one blog to dozens of pieces of content in less than 60 minutes. Even if you have webinars, podcasts, and video content, you can take the transcripts and follow the guidelines in the exact same way. It's a great resource. It's free. You should have it. If you haven't downloaded it already, grab it right now at justinsimon.co slash remix. If you're listening to this podcast feed, you can click the link right below and download it. Get it, read it, apply it. It takes you step-by-step step to get more value out of your blog content and get it in front of your audience. So grab the guide, get a blog, and get it running. That's my blog remix method, and it's free at justinsimon.co slash remix. Hey, everybody. Before we get started, I want to thank my friends at Hatch for producing this episode. You can get unlimited podcast editing and strategy for one flat rate by visiting hatch.fm. All right, let's get in the show. Welcome to Distribution First, the show where we flip content marketing on its head and focus on what happens after you hit publish. Each week I share playbooks, motivations, stories, and strategies to help you repurpose and distribute your content because you deserve to get the most out of everything you create. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Distribution First. So excited to have a longtime, my longtime friend. I was gonna say longtime friend of the program, but she's absolutely not. She's a new friend of the program. Camille Trent on from Pure Signal and Key Play. And we'll definitely get into the the differences there and the nuance there. But Camille, thanks for coming on the show. Justin, good to be here. I'm sad that I'm not, I'm absolutely not. A friendly of the show, but just trying to work my way, work my way up. You know, I was thinking about this before you came on. And funny enough, I think I was the first guest on your podcast. I think so. I think you're number one. Content logistics way back in the day. So anybody who wants to go yeah. listen to the deep archives of Camille's podcast, you'll find Top me my list. two companies ago talking about what we were doing back then, which is probably still relevant for today. But I was like, oh man, how did it take me, you know, 20 episodes to get Camille on? But, you know, you're here. Full I'm circle. pumped. Here I'm, we I'm are. glad. Yeah. <laughs> Super fun. And I think, honestly, like, it's going to be a really good conversation from my perspective, A, to catch up and kind of see what you've been doing with Pierre Signal. For a while there, we were both running content at these, you know, high growth startups. I was at Metadata, you were at Dooley. We were both kind of doing our own thing over there. And, building up those content engines so we can talk about that as well at some point. But yeah, why don't you maybe first just talk a little bit about your roles, what that looks like, and just so everybody can kind of get a, a lay of the land in terms of what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. To clarify the plural there for people. So roles in that one, you know, when you're at a startup, you wear a lot of hats as Justin and I were just talking about. Also is the case when you're a solopreneur as well. But uh, Peer Signal and Keyplay, uh, which I'll get to, it's kind of its own beast, uh, our own, own animal in that we have a media arm and that's uh, ultimately what I was hired for, right? So so my title is Director of Content Community at Peer Signal. Uh, Peer Signal is the media arm to 
Keyplay. So Keyplay is our actual B2B SaaS, right? And we kind of did it backwards, like by, you know, the previous examples, I think set by SaaS companies is like the natural thing is to launch a SaaS company, right? And then probably have like an internal content marketing department within there or probably just content marketer at first, right? And then maybe you think about like buying a media company, like somewhere down the road, right? Acquiring one, or maybe you build it yourself and that can sometimes have a different name or a lot of times it's like part of the brand. So I think of like Gong is a good example here of Gong Labs, right? It still has like the name in it, but you kind of see it as a separate separate entity that keeps like a decent amount of separation, I guess, like uh, unbiased. And so I think that was kind of a key for us is like we wanted separation so that we kept like the integrity of the media brand, right? And the reason that we're bullish on it is because Adam, our founder, co-founder with Andrew, they didn't know exactly like what they wanted to build. They knew they wanted to build something together. Adam had built several companies in the past and they knew they wanted it to be in like the go-to-market marketing and sales like type space. And then it was a matter of like, okay, well, what are we interested in? Like what kind of questions are we trying to answer as people that operate like in in this space already? So, and Adam had worked on some MarTech products in the past, so was like very familiar with the space. So he was fascinated with just the idea of like PLG and really just like any go-to-market strategy that is is high leverage and that seemed to be the pattern like between these high growth companies, right? As they kept saying like this pattern of like a lot of them are PLG. Like it turns out that if you give users more stuff up front, if you, you know, do the free sample type route and you let people buy the way that they want to buy, like there's something to that. And then there are other patterns like community and like seeing that that theme over and over again. So essentially he created him and Andrew created Peer Signal as as this way to study the market right? Like as this way to kind of like study what like best in class marketers, salespeople, or really just like tech companies are doing to get where they are. So that's just, uh, that's just good content, right? Like that's just interesting in and of itself. And so they started there and then, and then kind of got the feedback, like from the community with these, he's building a lot of these databases, like in Airtable, right? And so there were these big databases for studying PLG and using different factors to kind of look at what's their content strategy, right? Like what type of offers do they have in their site and sort of like codifying all of that as kind of like this research based like media company. And I guess what made it media or what made it content is not only were there all these resources that you could browse, but you could also subscribe to the newsletter, right? So I started as like a, a LinkedIn newsletter and then also you know, just a standard email newsletter. So that's kind of like how you can see like the content engine like already unfolding there of like that's that helps get like the following initially. And then it wasn't until later on when, you know, people that were using this tool, this like free resource were reaching out about like, hey, like I'm trying to figure out my ICP. I'm trying to like develop, you know, like a really airtight list to go to market and figure out like who are our best customers? How do we get to them? What does an A plus account look like? it seems like you guys are kind of doing that. Like, can you help me with that? Like on more of a a one-on-one custom basis. And so that's when we started taking on design partners. And that was kind of like the birth of 
key play, like as I see it, right? And so it really started, it started as like a content media research a company where you're just doing like the analysis and you're like finding those like signals, like ultimately, right? Thus like pure signal. And then it's like, oh, there's a whole other business here like that, that we can do that benefits sales and benefits marketers who are looking for those like triggers, looking for those like signals of this is a really good account for us, right? And just going about it in a different way than some of the competitors, um, seeing that like industries being under SaaS, like being like B2B SaaS and like that not being good enough, we felt like for an ICP, right? You can't just say like, you've heard this, I'm sure like a thousand times (laughs) of clients, like what's your, what's your target market? Oh, it's marketers, right? Like, oh, it's tech companies, right? And so, um, so really rethinking that and doing like all the subcategories that are now under SaaS that have just evolved within five years have been like another part of the research of like, now a lot of our newsletter content not only looks at things from like a macro perspective of like, what are the PLG trends? What's this and that? It's like, okay, within B2B SaaS, there's FinTech, there's D2C, like there's all of these set subcategories and there's all these like verticals within there. And we can really like dive into those at like a deeper level. And then the people that, you know, are selling to those companies are like, whoa, like I didn't know this data ever existed or that we can get that, that niche and like that deep with targeting. Right. So you can see like how it all, it all kind of fits together. And that's a really rambly way of how I got here. But last November, I came on board as director of content community for Peer Signal, And like, that was like the main part of my role was just picking up the research media aspect of things and building up that audience, um, both on LinkedIn and email, I would say were our, were our two big focuses. And I think doubling down just on a couple channels like that is probably what we'll end up talking about a lot. And then it's like, okay, what are the other foundational marketing things that that we need to set up like now that we've launched our product, which just happened in December, right? Of like, we had these design partners in the background, um, but we hadn't launched like publicly, right? So since then it's like, okay, now we're thinking about initiatives around G2, right? And around just like being around like the awareness of the product and building out like the freemium part of the product and then marrying those things together, which is another thing we can talk about. Yeah, I think it's actually interesting on multiple levels in my mind. I had, I've actually had a couple people on the show to talk about different angles of that. It's interesting because like you said, it was a flip of the traditional B2B SaaS or the maybe traditional way of like product and then trying to like build an audience after you've got the product. You really like built an audience, started nurturing that audience and then built the product for them. And I think the unique part about that is it ties those things in together really, really well, which I'm sure, you know, running content seems very obvious, like, oh, yeah, absolutely. We need to tie in exactly what our product helped solve with the content that we're building. But we all know that's not how it usually goes. And there's lots of, you know, different things that can happen and product team wants this and the X team wants that and marketing wants to be able to do this and those things can get get blurred at times. But I think the other interesting thing about it is just in terms of your role and like you said, you were doing pure content and now you're sort of doing a little bit more of like that marketing mix, like product mix and those type of things. I've 
had to do that throughout my career. I'm absolutely having to do that now running my own thing where it's like, I am the business, so I'm the CFO, and I'm the content marketer, and I'm the product marketer, and I'm all, all of those type of things. CMO. CMO. <laughs> yeah, I'm everything. So, uh, But with that, all that to be said, having those different pieces of knowledge actually informs and makes your content better, I think. I don't know if you have thoughts on that, but like the more that I've sort of understood throughout my career that oh, this is the really important piece of the product. And then it's like, oh, what are the interesting pieces of content that we can not create about that feature or create about that thing, but that eventually lead you into that? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. I think it's such a fine balance, I think. Like the hardest thing is is finding the balance, right? Because I think a weakness sometimes of content marketers, including myself at times, is like, is when you have, what is it? When you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail, or maybe it's the opposite, right? It's yeah, kind of like yeah. that mindset of like when your primary skill set is content, it's like everything looks like a content problem and you try and or something that can be solved with content. And that's not always the case, or at least there's usually like a prereq to that, right? It's like, yeah, going back to, okay, well, if we need customer content, we probably need, yeah, something like a G2 profile, or we need like a way to continuously collect like that kind of information, like a system behind that. And then like we can use that and create like a system around, okay, how do we pull the story out of that? But first you need like the inputs, right? And so I think that's something that we miss is like doing the work to collect like the inputs or thinking about like what's the larger goal here is the other thing. And so I think when you understand the business objectives, right, of like, what are we, like sometimes it's funny, like sometimes as content people get lost in this of like, what are we trying to do here, right? Ultimately, like, what is the purpose of this business? And it's always to add customers, make money, retain customers, right? And so if what you're doing does not seem to be impacting those things at all, it's probably not worth doing or it's not worth doing 100% of the time, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you need to be able to, like, split your time of, you know, this long-term thing maybe and, like, it'll build into the future and stuff and we believe in the power of, community building and audience building and all of that. But yeah, if people aren't making that connection, like between what you're writing and what you're providing and what your product does for people, right? If those things aren't closely enough connected, then it can be a a problem, right? So Mm -hmm. yeah, so I really think that's like the biggest pitfall that we'll make is either either like one extreme or the other is like you don't understand the business impact or you're not thinking like a a salesperson or a marketer in terms of like, what are the next steps? What are the next steps? Which I know you talk about a lot. And then there's the other side though, too, where it's like, you can go too far on that and you just feel like everything needs a CTA, right? Like everything, Mm. like you kind of mentioned product, like product content. It's like, it doesn't need to be about, and by the way, here's our feature and like how we do this. Like there's like a fine balance in between there where it can just be legitimately good content with a good perspective and good like how-to tutorial stuff even in there without it feeling like a sales pitch. Yeah, I think, and that's the, man, that is like the struggle as a marketer <laughs> is for, at least for me, is like to understand the difference between marketing and sales and to not try to do both poorly in effort to do them both at the same time. You know, there's a time for sales and there's a time for marketing and what those things, you know, and what those things are. And I think 
from a content perspective, yeah, the easy, I mean, man, I wish I had a nickel for every time it was like, you know, well, how do, you know, not this exact question, but how does this thing you're doing, how do I get somebody to buy? <laughs> like that, that's the generalized yeah. like sentiment behind whatever X, Y, and Z questions somebody within a company has asked me at some point of like, well, how does thing that you're doing impact us making a sale down the road? And it's vastly yeah. different depending on what you're selling, like, you know, free trial based model, you know, more of those type of things versus, a, you know, a hundred thousand dollar B2B sale, like all of those things can be totally different. But I think the balance there is those long-term and short-term things. Like you had mentioned, like some of those things are like content. I view content as like an investment. It's like you're putting in the goodwill now so that it pays off six months down the road. So it pays off to create something, you know, worth paying attention to. I think in today, how people buy today is totally different. This is not a unique unique take by any means, but it's totally different than how people used to buy and who I want to buy from and why I want to buy from them is not feature set. It's not, you know, like think about the amount of tools that are out there on the marketplace. It's not even, it's not even close. Like I'll just go clone it, right? Like great example is Twitter and now you have threads. Literally just within the past few days, you've got these two, you know, Twitter had this thing and now Threads comes out and they're competing instant on feature set. Yeah. And you've got, and it happened before, Snapchat and stories and all that. So like at the end of the day, like features, product, all that stuff, it's valuable. Obviously you have to have it, but I think the things where content marketers in particular can make a huge impact is building that, like you said, that, that community, whether it's an actual community or a community in quotes, like building that group of peers, group of, you know, folks to have those conversations around that want to like truly know, like, and trust you for what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much good there. So the first thing that I thought though, was we are so like unimpressed by like most things and we're like very good at like tuning stuff out. Right. And so like, that's the first hurdle, right. It's just, nobody cares. <laughs> like just that's nobody so cares about though. your brand. There's no like actual loyalty at the beginning because like you haven't earned it. Like, why should I stop my scroll for your ad? Like, why should I, why should I read your blog post? You know what I mean? Uh, like you're a company, like nobody cares, <laughs> nobody cares about companies. And so I think that's kind of the real like case for content in general, right? Is like, prove it, like prove that like uh, you're worth listening to. And I think that's through good content, right? And for me, like, I think for a lot of, B2B SaaS companies that like analytic numbers focused type content or like primary research type content, that's like why it's so valuable because I mean, if it's true primary research, you're the only, you're the only one that can provide it for one. So it's just like, how is that? If you're really able to do that, then you're able to set yourself up as not a company, right? As a media company. And those are like the types of things that we actively seek out and engage in of like, and then the the second thing with that is, is this going to make me more money? <laughs> like, is this going to make me better at my job so that I can eventually get a promotion and make more money? Or is this like maybe more for like the, the entrepreneurs and like solopreneurs of like, how can I do this like side hustle and stuff? So it's not that it has to be about, you know, like the top destinations to travel this summer, right? Like that's what we think about. I think when we think of like media company and like the 
like HuffPost or something mm-hmm. like those types of entities, Buzzfeed, right? Yeah. Buzzfeed, yeah. That's like that was the one that I was thinking. It's like, no, what does that B2B SaaS audience care about? Right. And it's probably more getting getting better at your job, making your company more money so that you can make more money or so that you can have a better, better work-life balance, less stress, right? Like you can just understand what good looks like, right? And be more comfortable in your role. And so it's really that simple. And then it's a matter of like applying it to your solution, your product, right? Of, well, okay, what does this buyer care about? And ultimately it's complicated because there's not one decision maker for like a B2B, you know, SaaS like situation. And so it's usually like a combination of if it makes sense for a product, maybe we need like a PLG motion where all of the end users, if it's sales reps, if it's marketers, if it's, you know, a big team of HR people, they can just experience the product and like see the value of that become champions. But also there's like, okay, how can I make like the business case, right? Like using numbers to kind of like show why this product is going to like affect your, your bottom line, like speak at that level, because ultimately you're probably also selling a VP of some sort, right? Mm -hmm. Or a director level person. And so it's thinking about, yeah, that end buyer and what they care about, but it's starting in the place of like, nobody cares about you right now. Like don't assume that they're going to take the next step unless you've put in some of that goodwill up front. And so that's really like the case for content. I love that. Yeah. it's. I've even thought about this too, in terms of like the content I consume and how I consume it. And there's the fact of the matter is there's just so stinking much of it out there where the saturation of content, even really, really good content is there's so much. And so I think it's just that realization too, that like, even for people who like you and like your brand, they just might not have time to pay attention because there's so many other things that are vying for their attention, whether that's other pieces of content, other topics, other things. So like, there's just so much. So I think like the bar is just, it's so high. I think it's a ever evolving place, but I'm interested in sort of like, how do we then do that? Like, how do you you know, you're, you've got this team of seven, one or two marketer team. Like, how do you think through like planning out your content strategy to actually be able to do that, especially as like scrappy as you guys are? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, great question. So, so I think it goes back to like picking the right situation for you. Like I'll, I won't spend too much time on this. And I, I did a podcast on this, like when I was first joining, if I had thought through what are the, what's the criteria, you know, like to set you up for success, like whether you're joining a company or starting a company, whatever it is, like, what do you need to look for uh, to make sure that you're going to be successful? So I, I do think that it's looking for, let's say you're a content marketer, looking for a, a CEO that understands marketing. It's like number one. And then a marketing leader who understands content. And not only it like understands it, but also is aligned with you on like how to think about it. Because there's different ways of like thinking about content strategy and thinking about that like content fit with your brand. And that might be like very different. Like it could be someone that's like, I've been doing SEO for 10 years. Like I I know the playbook and like can be very successful with that. But maybe that's like not your skill set and not how you would go about building the business. And so then it's a matter of like, okay, well, if 
if maybe you do believe in it, but it's like, okay, do we have the budget to kind of like outsource like that part of it and have that be more of like the demand planning and like I can do more of like the content and community part of this, right? Like, is that the vision or are we just planning on doing this long term? So it's figuring out like, what's your skill set? What are your strengths, right? And is that going to be a good match like for what that company both, whether or not you think that it needs it, like what the current leadership team like thinks that they need, right? So like that needs to align. And so, so that brings me to where I am right now is it was like pretty well-defined. Like I could sort of tell even by like the job description, it was frankly like one of the, I think it was like the only job that I had really like applied for in years. Cause I was like, I love this job description. Like I love what they're already doing. Like they, they know what they need, you know? So I think identifying that was a big thing and broke it down into like, okay, we need <laughs> like a part to essentially like a third editor, a third like growth marketer and like a third, like, I don't know, content community, whatever is left for content community. So that sort of like spoke spoke to me. And then also the fact that they're already doing it, right? Like they'd already kind of proven the concept and like built the newsletter a little bit. So that's like something to always look for of like, have they, marketing is a series of bets. And so like, have they already like invested a little bit in this bet and like have a little bit of a proven concept of like, this job is going to be around for a while because we have a proof of concept here, right? Or like, I believe in this strategy enough that like I initiated it. And so, so that's what I felt like what they already had of like, I like the free resource and like what they're building there. I like the potential of other things that we can build there. Already have like the newsletter rolling and have like a decent, you know, distribution strategy of the CEO was like willing to post and was like actively posting. And I feel like that's a huge hurdle for marketers too, of like just getting the rest of the company on board and involved. So all of those things like sort of like met those initial checks. And then from there, it was like, okay, how do we, um, so the first thing for me was just like the momentum phase, I guess, as I call it, like that first, like 30, 60, 90 was just like, go, go, go in a lot of ways of like, okay, we already have like just momentum around this and people are excited about it. And then I was able to bring like a similar audience of like people that I was already interacting with online, uh, and like expose them to kind of like what we're doing. So essentially adding my my LinkedIn audience on top of Adams and then working together on the analysis and like on writing the newsletter. But I was able to take over a lot more of like the execution with that. And then we sort of, yeah, this, this has taken like months to sort of like, and we're continuing to like work on it, but figuring out like the backlog process of like uh, essentially like once a week we'll meet on, um, you know, the upcoming topics and then we'll also talk about like on the key play side, like what launches are coming up, right? Like what's on the roadmap for the product and sort of like what's priority. And then so you can start to think about like, okay, how can we like weave that into, weave that into the newsletter? And then what is kind of like the micro content look like? That's like, you know, we do a lot of, um, we do a, a decent amount of like decks or like sliders that we'll, mm-hmm. we'll post. And that seems to be a good like reformatting of the newsletter or sometimes of the blogs to kind of just like synthesize it into like, okay, here's the 10 best examples, you know, we found from filtering through 2000 (laughs) pages. Right. And so a lot of it is like that analysis and like getting deep, like into defining like, you know, a handful of insights, right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And distilling it down to those insights. But then you have like really valuable content to then, you know, like transpose into different formats. And so, so yeah, so that was a big part. 
So are you having to analyze that stuff then, Camille? Yeah, so luckily Adam is a is like an Excel wizard and, and he was doing this stuff beforehand of like essentially have these big databases. We can pick out kind of like what we kind of work together on picking out what the research question is for for what we want to answer. So it might be, okay, is there a correlation between headcount growth and funding? Right. Like are mm-hmm. the companies that are getting funded right now also using that to grow headcount? You know what I mean? So we might have something yep. like that that we're looking at. And then we'll take this big data set. So now I can go into the air table and kind of like do some of those like filters if I'm just looking for counts and stuff. And then in, in Excel, some basic like, you know, averages and count ifs. But if we're doing like more analysis, if we're looking at like several factors, right, then he'll run a lot of that. Like he'll do the majority of like the analysis. And then based on whatever we find, because it could be that our hypothesis is completely wrong, but whatever like the interesting thing is that comes out of that, then we at least have the numbers of like, okay, here's, here are those averages, whatever. And that's, that's easy to put in a chart. And then there's other things that's like the example I just mentioned, right? Of like funding versus headcount. Like maybe you'll have like the comparison bar chart for um, maybe different stages of companies, right? So mm-hmm. at this stage, it looks like this, this stage. And then you can see other patterns there of like, okay, it is true for this group, right? Like this subset or like these categories, these markets, right? Are seeing growth here, but these other markets, like not so much. And so, so we'll take like some of the most interesting charts and then it's just, uh, and then it's me sort of like building the story around that. Like there's already like the story, I feel like, like there's already the insight, I guess. And then it's, so a lot of times it's like coming up with the examples around that of like, okay, within that data set of companies, like what are some of the weird outliers there? Like what are the things that kind of support the trends that we're seeing? And a lot of times, a lot of times like that's like fascinating too. We've done a lot. We've started to do a lot more like looking through the data or like slicing the data by industry, right? Or like by category mm-hmm. and stuff. And so, so seeing how those different categories go to market and then how there tends to be patterns there of like how many marketers they have, how many salespeople, right? What types of things they double down on. So it's like pulling out those insights for people in like a readable format that's typically like around like a thousand thousand words for the newsletter and then it'll be like a, a shorter version of that on LinkedIn or there might be like a deck version of that. Yeah. And so that's like a lot of that's a lot of like the week to week like type work. And so then it's also finding the recurring pillar type content, right? So I know like you talk about pillars a lot. So it's okay, out of those things like we did like a hiring report and we used to do it every month. But the data didn't change that much, like month to month, right? And so it's like, okay, we still want to do this. And like, we want this to be a recurring thing, but this is actually kind of a big lift in terms of like the analysis needed for it and not necessarily worth the reward if it's going to be the same like every month or if it's going to be like slightly different, you start telling the same story kind of over and over again. And so something like that, it's like, okay, let's move this to like a quarterly type initiative, right? Or lately when we changed a bunch of things about our the way that we do categories and like how we can get a little bit more niche there it's like okay maybe we do like the macro version of the story and then we follow that up with like industry level version right where it cut up of like here are the top five like fastest growing industries right like based on this like last report and so those are like the types of i don't know strategic decisions that are like how can we maximize our time like how can we get more out of like each analysis two pieces maybe like out of analysis or decide like which things that we should do quarterly versus like monthly, right? Or versus weekly. 
And for instance, right now, it's like, okay, we're starting to sacrifice like some of the weekly cadence and do, because we've seen like, it seems to be okay to do like a bi-weekly cadence if we're able to do more of like the foundational, what I consider like foundational marketing initiatives, right? That can support sales and support retention and those types of things, right? And so it's always, there's like a couple things about marketing. It's like, there's always trade-offs, right? So I think mm-hmm. like a lot of strategy is like sitting down and, and thinking like, what are those trade-offs and like, what's going to be my highest leverage activity for the day and what's going to make the most impact. And then also like everything in marketing is ultimately like a bet, <laughs> right? And so you do that at sort of like analysis of like, what's going to be worthwhile, but also know that like you're taking a bet. And so how can you do that? What's kind of like the MVP version of that thing that you can do to kind of like get the proof of concept and know if you should keep doing it? (laughs) Yeah, it's totally that, that balancing act of, you know, I think a lot of, especially like any social media platform, LinkedIn in particular, like this is the way to do, I've even, I mean, been guilty of this, right? But like, this is the way to do content or this is the way to do this process or this is, and I think like, it's less of like this perfect plan that we all kind of get promised of like, if I just had this plan, I'd be able to like X, Y, and Z thing. It's more like, here's the baseline plan. And then it's the ebb up and down of like what you want to do and the lever you want to pull here and there, right? Like our plan was to do every single month. Well, that plan, now we have knowledge that impacts that. And now it's every quarter or, you know, we have in an ideal world, we'd love to do this weekly. Well, we also have to do some product market. So it's like, you know, you (laughs) got to figure out how to balance that thing. I know whether you're on a big team or a small team, those things, you know, it always crops up of like, this is what we should be doing. I think that's where, for me, a lot of that, the repurposing, the distribution, all of those things come in because it's like, yeah, it's not that you have to have this perfect repurposing or distribution plan to where every single piece of content has the exact same amount of repurposing or the exact same amount of distribution or any of those things. It's just so that you know ahead of time what the heck you're going to need or what you're going to do with that. So like you said, well, we know we can do this bi-weekly cadence on this thing, and it seems to still be working out. Amazing. Now you get to do bi-weekly instead of weekly. <laughs> Isn't that great? Like you just carve some time out in your, you know, every other week. And so I'm curious before we start to wind down, you kind of mentioned it, but, uh, you know, you've got these core pieces of content that you're creating some different pieces too, that are more pillar and cornerstone, but like what are you doing actively to distribute that content from like a daily, weekly perspective? I think you mentioned newsletter, but I think like getting really tactical for folks in terms of like, well, I post on LinkedIn and so does Adam. And, you know, we've got this newsletter. Like what, when you think about like getting this content out to your audience, what's the distribution plan that you focus on? Yeah. So I think like what's been the most helpful and successful is we talked about like adding some other channels and some other things and we just weren't ready. Right. And so, so to me, I think like with it being a one person marketing team or really like one and a half two, like with Adam, we saw like a lot of like initial success, like, um, cause Adam, Adam, for instance, had proposed like a couple other channels, but we saw like enough success, like early on. That's like, no, actually let's just, let's just stick with this. And so I think like that's been, the right move. And like, we'll see as like the algorithm changes and things, but 
essentially like we have a newsletter that lives on ConvertKit, right? It's like an email newsletter where it can drive like subscribers. And then we also have, it gets a little bit confusing here because you can sign up for the newsletter, but mostly how people sign up for the newsletter is they join PeerSignal. And how you join PeerSignal is you just like auth in through LinkedIn. So it's a really easy, like single sign-on sort of process. And then whatever email that you have through LinkedIn, like that's where you'll get the newsletter. So there's that. And then sometimes people also just like opt in, you know, through whatever email they want through the newsletter. So those kind of like two portals, right, of getting signups. And one, we kind of preferred, you know, to join, if you join PeerSignal, then you get access to all of our databases and all of our screenshot galleries that we put together, like all of these like free resources that then like tie back to key play and that there's like, you know, a little CTA in the corner of like, essentially like, where did this data come from? Or, um, you know, create your own account list type of thing. Right. And so, so those types of signups are like worth more to us than just signing up for the newsletter. Although the newsletter has its own natural tie-ins too, because again, like all of that research is powered by key play data. Right. And so that's still also valuable, but initially, and this is still the case, the strategy was more to drive toward like peer signal, like memberships, if you call it that, or peer signal signups, right? Because then it's more of a catch-all of like, not only can you access like these, these free products, but then there's like a natural transition into if you do work in sales, if you do work in marketing and you're like seeing this whole like database of companies and you're seeing like all these like cool signals and you're like, how could I make this actionable, like for my go-to-market, right? So there's kind of like that natural, like light bulb moment, I guess there. But then, yeah, sort of above that, I guess, if you're thinking about it in terms of a funnel, like is, I would say like following either of us on like, uh, on social, on uh, LinkedIn specifically, because we'll distill like all of the research, like into posts. And we've tried a few different formats, like from, from GIFs, if we do launch like a new gallery or something like that within PeerSignal, within the free resource we're able to kind of like do do launches that way. But most of the time, like it's just, here's kind of like the recap of the newsletter. Here's some like interesting insights from it, which will again, like help promote people signing up for the newsletter as well, but also put it in a format of like, look, if you don't want to sign up right now, that's fine too. Like, we're just going to give you like bottom line up front. We'll give you like the best, the headlines, you know, like the, here are the three insights. We'll just kind of give you that information and then like trust that it's interesting enough that you'll want to see the next one, right? So th- there's that, they're signing up for the newsletter, there's like signing up for Peer Signal itself. And then there was like adding the freemium plan, which is more of a, a product initiative, right? But that kind of became like a product marketing initiative too, of like, obviously we had to launch it and then use those same channels to, you know, to launch like this new product or this new feature. And then also find ways for those to like tie back. So again, like if you can get there through peer signal, like get to like the free list creation type thing. And it's not like, it's a better stepping stone than just saying like, you've been playing around with this like free product. Now you're ready for like an annual plan, right? Like Mm. it's that stepping stone of like, there's this like freemium tool that you can play around with. You can like similar to actually what you've already done, like in peer signal where you're messing with the different signals, you're messing with the filters and things like that. So we have like a SAM that's like, basically looks like a Mad Libs, right? Where you can like fill out kind of like what your ICP is. And that's kind of what the freemium product looks like. So it's like, I think an easier jump 
And um, so then that's, there's, there's that part. And then there's basically, you know, like our annual plans. That's kind of like, it's like very basic, but that's kind of like what our content engine looks like right now. And then there's, yeah, some, like I said, like right now it's like working on some positioning, working on some, like a system for like capturing social proof, right? Because if you Mm. do have a pretty strong, like social presence, it's like, okay, how do I capture that? Like in a more systematic way. And then how can we funnel like all of that love, like into one platform, like a G2, right? And then how can we like use some of those things on our website? How can we like use them in case studies or things like that, right? And so that kind of like getting some of this stuff down in terms of like the flow. And I've gotten some feedback on like, okay, I get like the natural flow between what you're doing with Pure Signal and Key Play better. And you're kind of like seeing that like come to fruition, like gives you a little bit of space to kind of like work on work on some of the other like foundational parts of marketing in the business. But I think just having like a high level view of like how somebody could potentially find you and knowing that it's not going to be probably a linear funnel. So if somebody comes in like halfway through, if they come in this way, like how are they going to get to you? Right. Like, do they need extra context up here and how are you going to provide that? So I think just like thinking through the customer life cycle and paying attention to like who signs up and why and when they take that next step has kind of like informed informed our content. Yeah. And I, I think that's key. It's something that I've realized too, whether I've been on big teams or small teams or by myself is it's, you know, you, you were like, yeah, it's pretty simple. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. Like the more simple you can make that, the more actionable and more repeatable and more, you know, sustained those things can be. I think obviously all of those pieces will continue to evolve and you'll continue to evolve what those steps look like and build those things. But I think you're taking the right approach in terms of both on the distribution side, the funnel side, the whole life cycle of the product, and just trying to like nail down what's working and then expand from there versus try to do a million things and eventually probably do a million things wrong because you're not focused enough on one thing to be able to do that. So this has been super fun. I've loved the conversation. I think it's cool to to learn about how you've been doing content, what your plans are for that moving forward. And hopefully there'll be a ton of stuff that folks can pick up and use in their, in their businesses as well. So thanks for coming on, Camille. It was, it was fun. Thanks, Justin. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Distribution First. And thank you for listening all the way through. I appreciate you so, so much. And I hope you're able to apply what you learned in this episode one way or another into your content strategy as well. Speaking of strategy, we have a lot of things going on this year that are going to help you build your brand, 10x your content, and transform the way you do content marketing. Make sure to subscribe to the show and sign up for my newsletter at justinsimon.co so you don't miss a thing. I look forward to serving you in the next episode as well. And until then, take care and I'll see you next time.